I've got three things God has um, given me to talk about today, so maybe you can spot them as we get to them. Um, team, compassion, and tents. That's not tents. I'm not relaxed. That's tents as in camping. Okay, so just, just bear that in mind. Um, <clears throat> so here's a quick intro, because as you'll have noticed from the logo... Um, there's going to be a series of talks that are sort of inspired by the Olympics and our Olympic heroes, and aren't they doing well? <laughs> but, yeah, let's give them a hand, because they've been doing so well. I'm, I'm getting quite excited. Um, <clears throat> but it's going to be about um, heroes of the Bible, and I know people in the following weeks will be t- talking about heroes from the Bible. Now, I'm not sure which heroes they're going to be talking about, but There's a hero from the Bible. Can anybody younger tell me who they think that might be? (laughs) Ben's younger. Who do you think that is? It is Samson. Well done, Ben. And and who do you think that might be? Yeah, go on. Daniel. Very good. And who do you think that might be? Can you see who that is? Because you've got... You've got the important bloke there, and he's saying, what do you mean it's a bit muddy? So, oh, oh, Neve. Moses, yeah, very good, excellent. So, I don't know. They, they may come up, they may not come up. Um, oh, look, there's another heroine. Does anybody know who that is? Who is it? Oh, how do you know it's Lizzie Armistead, Mike? You know her dad, yeah. <laughs> and she won, she won he, he was running with, with him yesterday. Um, she won the first uh, medal of the Olympics. Amazing. And um, you may recognize these two, especially if you think about the people that I occasionally go on about. And there is their name on their vests. Anybody? Sorry? Yeah, Alistair and Jonathan Brownlee. Um, And they're going to, I think their triathlon is on Tuesday. Yeah, it is on Tuesday. Thank you very much. That's great. Okay, so we we will get back to the champions of the Bible, honestly. It's just... (laughs) But if we we think about um, these heroes from the Bible and the people we see in the Olympics, they are amazing and we can be inspired by them. But I think sometimes we look at them and we say, but I couldn't do what they're doing especially with Lizzie Armistead, actually especially with Alistair and Jonathan Brownlee for me because I can't run. How on earth do they do that? I could never do that. And we look at some of the heroes from the Bible and we think, I, I couldn't do what they do. Now, when I was first given this title by Mark, I was thinking, ooh, ooh, which of the heroes from the Bible am I going to talk about? But actually, as I started thinking about it, God said, just look at the ends of all the letters. And I started reading all the ends of the letters in the Bible, and there are all sorts of people mentioned at the ends of the letters. And what also came to me at the same time was I've I've had this thought going round and round in my head and round and round in my heart, which is that there is no room anymore for the sort of old model, maybe, of how we thought about church, which was one person at at the top, the figurehead, if you like, and everybody else following them. What's come over again and again as we've been having people talking to us is that it's a team effort. There's the first word, team. 
It's got to be absolutely everybody doing their bit. Um, Well, Mark agrees with me. That's good. (laughs) And that means that everybody is essential in what we're going to do. Um, When we think about this, um, this team idea, this idea of everybody doing their bit, there's actually some pictures in the Bible which are used to explain this idea. Now, there are two that I particularly thought of, but have you got any um, pictures that you'd like to venture? You know, when you look at what the Bible says about teams, can you think of a picture that is used to explain that idea in the Bible? Anybody want to hazard a guess about everybody? Yes? Church is the body, yes, that's one picture. And another one, anybody like to, um, there's a clue. (laughs) It it talks about the church being the bride of Christ, doesn't it? There's this picture of the church as the bride. We're getting ready for the the wedding of the lamb. And there's a picture of uh, the church as just one person. Um, I hope you fellas don't have a problem with this, but it's a girl. Um, There we are, a bride making ourselves ready, making ourselves beautiful. And you can read in the Bible about how we make ourselves beautiful and how we get ready to be wedded to Jesus. And then the other idea that um, you came up with, which was the body of Christ. And as a body, we have lots and lots of you know, we've got hands and arms and knees and elbows and, and all these bits of us. And, and if you want to think about the kidneys and the spleen and the stomach and all those bits inside of us. If we're missing a bit of our body, we don't function as well or sometimes we don't function at all. So we actually need every single bit of our body in order to function properly. And this is the point at which I want to try out a, a postmodern version of a very old joke on you. I say, I say, I say, my dog has no nose. It can't, it hasn't got a nose. There we go. <laughs> okay, sorry. <clears throat> so can you see that there's no way that if there is a bit of the body missing, that it can work properly? Now... <clears throat> If I look at these bits at the ends of the letters that tell us about all these people that I'd never really noticed before, I'd like to call them the teams that were behind the men who actually wrote the letters. Because sometimes we look at the letters and we think they're the important ones, they're the ones because we know most about them. Um, And we get sort of caught up with them and we sort of don't think about the teams that are behind them. So I'd actually like you to have a go at finding all these teams. Now, I am going to make it easy for you. I've got stuff written down um, about this. So, uh, oh, I'm getting right ahead of myself here. Never mind, let's do that first. Um, There are some Bibles on the side if you haven't got a Bible. Have you? Each table needs at least one Bible. Okay. And have you got a piece of paper? Some of you will only have to write down one name. So if you've got the new sheet... You can probably write it down on there. Um, Well, then you might take it home with you. And not only will you have the notes, you'll have the new sheet. Yeah, it's all right. I know what I'm doing, mostly. So, 
Can I give your table one to look at? Is that all right? If you look at 1 Peter 5, and I'll tell you more what you're doing in a minute. And um, uh, 1 Peter 5.12, actually. 1 Peter 5.12. If you look up Philemon 1.23 and 24, and you do Titus 3.12 and 13, is that all right? And... You can do 2 Timothy 4, 19 to 21. Yeah, just that. Oh, and there's a big one here. Okay. Um, who'd like to do Colossians 4, 7 to 15? That's a big one. Do you want... Paul will do that one. Okay. Uh, can you do Philippians 4, 17 to 18? And what about you lot doing Ephesians 6, 21 and 22? Is that all right? Do you understand the instructions? Colossians 4, 7 to 15. Is that all right? Or do you, do you understand? If you want to do... Oh, which one did I just pick for you? Uh, Philippians 4, 17 to 18. Um, Ephesians 6... 21 to 22. 1 Corinthians 16, 19 to 20. Is that all right? 16, 19 to 20. Girls, can I give you... <clears throat> where, are you? where are we? <clears throat> uh, Romans 16, 21 to 24. Have I given you one? Oh, have I given you one as well? I have. Oh, well, this is, perhaps you can split it between the two of you or whatever. It's Romans 16, and it's 16 to, Romans 16, and it's, oh, it's 1 to 16. It's quite, 1 to 15. It's quite a big one. I'll just, I'll just begin one of these just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Okay, so the first one that we're going to go through is Romans 16, verses 1 to to 15. And what you're looking for is that as you go through it, just quickly, it says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon. So all you need to write down is Phoebe, deacon of the church in Kentria. And down to verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ, Jesus. So you put Priscilla and Aquila, co-workers. Just so if you quickly look those up and see what you can find. I tell you what we'll do, because that first, that one I handed out, I should have handed it out first, and I handed it out last, and it's the biggest one, so we won't start with that one. We'll start with the second section. Has whoever got Romans 16, verses 21 to 23? Uh, have, have you done your... Yeah, okay. Let, let's start with that one then. So, um, shout, do you want to shout out who's the first one you've got? Yeah. And who, who was he? Just a one word or his, his fellow worker. And yeah, Lucius, Jason. Say, say it with confidence and everybody will think you know what you're saying. Saucipater. Hang on, where we are. Where have we got to? Oh, they were all his fellow Jews, weren't they? Is that what you were just saying to me? Kinsman. And then who else have you got? Tertius. It's near enough. Listen, 
It was years ago. We don't know how they really pronounced it at the time. I mean, let's face it, when we read the Bible, we say Benjamin quite happily, and it's probably something far more like Benjamin or something like that. So let's not worry about it. Tertius, who wrote down this letter, yes? Uh, where have I got to? Tertius. Gaius? Um, and, and what would you say about Gaius? Who, who would you say he was? He's a host. Yeah, he showed hospitality. Um, and then we've got another one. Erastus, and he was, who was he? Pardon? Treasurer. Yep, could be some sort of, he was some sort of important official, wasn't he? And who else? Quartus, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's not literally blood brother, that's, you know, brother in Christ. Okay, how are we doing with the first bit of Romans 16? Are we done? No. Okay, so we'll go on to 1 Corinthians 16, 19 to 20. Who's got that one? Wave a hand. Oh, jolly good. And who have you got? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 16, 19 to 20. Aquila and uh, Priscilla. And they were sort of like home, well, church leaders or home group leaders or that, weren't they? And that's it. He also mentions all the brothers and sisters. So you get the idea that there are a lot of people there. Okay, Ephesians 6, 21 and 22. Who's got that? Give me a wave. Ephesians 6, 21 and 22. Anybody got that? Yes. Who have you got? However you pronounce that, Tychicus or whatever. And what was he? Right, so he was a friend and minister. Please excuse my writing. It's just you're getting the idea of what we're doing. Okay. Um, Great. So who's got Philippians 4, 17 and 18? Give me a a wave. Philippians 4, 17 and 18. Is that you? You didn't find... Right. Okay. I was just going through that. And at the end, it says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So Epaphroditus was just a messenger bringing gifts. Um, Colossians 4, 17 to 15. Right, yes, go on. So Tychicus or Tychicus or however you pronounce him is in in there as well. Maybe the same chap, seeing as he's a fellow minister. We don't know. Onesimus, he may have been the slave Onesimus, mightn't he? We don't really know, okay. Um, yeah, carry on. Aristarchus, he was also a prisoner. Um, yeah, and there was Mark, and cousin of Barnabas, and Barnabas. Um, yeah, and who else? Justus. Okay, these are, these are all ordinary people, aren't they? They're all part of the group, the team. Okay, yes, carry on. Epaphras, intercessor. Okay. Uh, Luke, who we know was a doctor. And uh, Demas, we don't know, do we know what he did? No. Um, and Nympha. Oh, I've missed that one. 
Archippus. That's lovely. Okay. Uh, how are we doing with that? The beginning of um, Romans. Are we? Are we still? <laughs> Romans 16. Have we done it now? Has everybody else given up because it was too hard and you're just left on your own, Rob? Oh, you got distracted. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's no problem. Do you want to fire some names at me then? Okay, Rob? Shall I just read them out then? Rather than trying to write them all down? Because I've got Phoebe, a deacon, Priscilla and Aquila, who we've got down there already. We've got Eponitas, who was the first convert to Christ. Mary, who worked very hard. Andronicus and Junia, fellow Jews who had been in prison with him, and they were also apostles. Um, Ampliatus, a dear friend. Urbanus, a co-worker. A dear friend, Stachys. Apelles, who was faithful. That's just all it says about him. Um, Aristobulus. Herodian, a fellow Jew, household of Narcissus, Tryphena and Tryphosa, two women who worked hard in the Lord, Persis, another woman who has worked very hard, Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, uh, who was a mother to Paul as well, Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters, Philogus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus. And all the Lord's people who were with them. Now, are you getting, are you getting the idea? Um, those of you who've done the others, perhaps we'll stop there. But are you getting the idea that there was this huge army of people who were all helping to get Paul to different places, to get Peter to different places, to look after them when they arrived at different churches, who did what they could in their own way, no matter what they were up to. And there were some of them that all we know about them was that they were, they were a good friend. That's a really important title, good friend. Some of them we know were important in the town council. Some of them we know were people who had some sort of title within the church, but a lot of them didn't. They were just the ordinary people of the church who made things happen. And I'd like to say that they're heroes to me. Because I think we can get sidetracked sometimes. We look at um, the people who have got the biggest press and we think they're the ones that we've got to like, be like. But actually, although we can be encouraged by all the things that we see our heroes doing, in the end, those things have to be incorporated into who we are. Because God made each one of us unique, with a new, unique part to play in, his, pay, play in his plan. Got the wrong teeth in this morning. I've got um, a YouTube clip of the Brownlee brothers. Now, I'd like us to li- listen to this. Yeah, I know, I'm not totally obsessed, honest. Um, the reason I picked this, because I, d- I did listen to um, uh, a YouTube clip by um, uh, Lizzie Armstead as well. But I ended up picking this one because it's, it's lovely. It talks about the people who encouraged them, about the people who have helped them become who they are today. 
but it also talks about what's motivated them, why they do what they do. And I love the fact that partway through you'll hear them say, it's just what we do. So it's no longer a question of them um, making themselves do something, but it's just who they are. It's just a reflection of what's going on inside. And um, I was saying to um, Ben earlier that I could almost preach a sermon according to the Gospel of Brownlee because there's so much in this three-minute clip. So just, just let God speak to you um, through what you're going to hear. Um, but what I most want you to get out of it is the fact that they've got all sorts of people around them who are helping them to be who they are. Okay, Ben, that would be great. What they do. <clears throat> But did you hear, as they were talking about what they did, all the people they mentioned, and I know there are a whole lot more. I know there are the physiotherapists, the sports psychologists, all the, all the people that are just around them, all their friends that are around them, and their mum who has to keep filling the fridge over and over again because they eat so much. <clears throat> what about Jesus? Did Jesus have a team? I mean, he didn't. He was God. Surely he wouldn't have needed a team. Well, he did have one, didn't he? And I've, I've got some verses here that talks about his team. In Luke 8, 2-3, it says this. And also, some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's households, Susanna, and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. If you think about it, Jesus was going around with a group of fishermen. Well, if they weren't fishing, they didn't have any income, did they? So how did they buy their soup and sandwiches? It was these women who were supporting Jesus and his disciples out of their own means. And, of course, they wouldn't be able to be with them the whole time because, I mean, um, if uh, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, couldn't take off on the road... It wouldn't be seemly for a married lady to do that. So um, we know that Judas held the purse, don't we? Matthew eight fourteen to 15. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. Peter's mother-in-law was a much better woman than I because had I just been cured of a fever, I would have expected a cup of tea and a magazine and a bit of a lie down first. But there we go. As Jesus, uh, sorry, this is Luke 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So we know that people opened their homes to him and his disciples as they went round so that they could do what they had to do. But as I said before, it's, it's got to be a team effort. It's not just one person, one man at the front. And I think in, in terms of the Olympics, there's only one person we would possibly put on the podium here, and that's Jesus. So we're the team. He's, he's the man at the front. That's acceptable. He's the bridegroom. We are the bride. So 
What can we do as the team? I think success is... um, The modern idea of success, do you you find these days it's sort of tied up with celebrity? And that a lot of celebrity these days is all about just being famous for being famous. I'm thinking of Big Brother and things like that, of which I have a very, very low opinion. I don't know about you, but there we go. (laughs) Um, I hope that actually the Olympics is, is going to blow that one out of the water because all the people who have won the medals, have done it because the, the enormous amount of effort that they have put in to, to win those medals. And, and, you know, that's far more worthy of celebrity than a lot of what we've seen. Um, but what is success? Is it just the person who wins the race? Um, I was tre- tremendous... Well, I really enjoyed the opening ceremony to the Olympics. I was really um, heartened by Jacques Rogg, the the president, who did that speech. And he said the true spirit of an Olympian is not just winning the medal, it's taking part. It's actually competing and taking part. That's what being a true Olympian is all about. And then as he went on to give his speech, and he must have been a bit bemused by the way everybody clapped at just about everything he said. But there was one huge, lasting round of applause when he thanked the volunteers. And I thought that was great. Because um, we went down to London a couple of weeks ago um, for my son's graduation, because he's now a vet surgeon. Um, (laughs) And as we were going around, I don't know whether you've um, been to London ever and gone on the underground, but last time I was there, it was filthy. It was horrible. It was sweaty and nasty. But when we went round this time, there was no gum on the floor. Everything had been swept. There was no rubbish. Even the tiles on the sides of the tunnels had been polished. I mean, it was amazing. London shines. It gleams. And that is this amazing team that Boris has somehow managed to inspire. You get recordings of him over in the underground going, now it's going to be very busy and you need to plan your journeys, so don't get caught out. Like that as you go around. It's wonderful. I I started getting excited about the Olympics at that point. It's this fantastic team that have created this amazing stadium. For me, I, I... I find it incredible to look at what that team has done. I don't know about you, but it's beyond what I thought could happen. The underground being all shiny. It's amazing. I wonder if they thought they were capable of, capable of that. It's just marvellous. And when they thought about themselves, perhaps they'd started to think about the fact that they were part of something bigger. I think the only thing that could have motivated them to do that sort of stuff was a shared passion for doing stuff. Because, you see, really, all we can do is be the best that we can be. We can't be anybody else. God has made us unique. We can only be the best. So if, for example, you take part in a race, and in that race... There happens to be Alistair Brownlee and Jonathan Brownlee in the race. How do you think you're going to feel racing against them? Well, the only thing to do 
is to realize that actually you're racing against yourself. You know, you're doing the best you can do. So if you happen to turn up to the race in a Viking costume and Alistair's standing next to you and you say to him, oh, go on, I'll race you, I'll give you a 10-yard head start, Mike. You can just go ahead. <laughs> and the, the picture five seconds after that one was taken was Alistair and Jonathan in the front with a couple of others and you could see the horns just a little way back. <laughs> And it's the same with all the races that Mike does. If, he, if all he did was win to be the very first, he'd soon get very, very depressed. <laughs> well, you've got a lot of... Yeah, I'm not knocking Mike on that. He does, he, most of you wouldn't be able to do what he does. But you've got to be realistic. And I think sometimes we, we have these expectations of ourselves that are far too high in some ways. We expect perfection. We expect ourselves to be able to do things that God hasn't asked us to do. And that's actually the key, isn't it? Because when God asks us to do something, he also gives us the wherewithal to do it. He gives us the strength. He gives us the energy. So what is success for us as Christians? being the best we can. And for me, it's making earth more like heaven. Bringing justice, respect, defense for the vulnerable, showing unconditional love. How on earth can we do this? This is the second word that God told me about, compassion. Because when I thought about it, Jesus showed amazing compassion. He was moved by compassion for the crowds, wasn't he? He saw they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he became their shepherd. It was God's love in action. And Jesus himself was a picture of God's love in action. Because it was God that saw our situation, as Mark said earlier on this morning. He saw our situation, knew we were helpless to break out of the, the sin cycle that we were in for ourselves and so he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could be made clean so that we could be set free to live a glorious wonderful life with him and while Jesus was living on earth he lived it as well he was moved with compassion to heal people to look after them now when we look at the letters Paul talks about compassion. If you look in Philippians 2, and he has that long passage about being um, the same as Jesus, having the same attitude as Jesus, one of the things he talks about is compassion. or te- It might be called tender mercies. And that's, it's in Colossians 3.12 as well. And Paul makes it clear that actually it's part of who we are. Having compassion is part of who we are. It's something that will automatically happen if we abide in Christ. Because it's part of who Jesus is. And we have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, living on the inside of us, don't we? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside us. That's amazing. So we have this Spirit of compassion. But we do need to activate it, if you like, by spending time with God. And I know... I don't spend enough time just praying, just chilling, or whatever, just listening to what God has. I need help with that. I need to spend more time with him. Because I know there are times when I get what I call compassion fatigue. I get to the point where I think, oh, for heaven's sakes, (laughs) 
And that tells me... <laughs> yeah, it's just me that gets that then. Um, uh, if you experience that, a lot of the time it's because, you know, we just need to spend more time with God and then we'll see things his way and be moved with compassion. So we need to abide in Jesus. Um, And we know that if we do everything out of love, even if we get it a bit wrong, do you know it's okay? God will mop up for us. Because when we do it out of the right motivation, God works it out, doesn't he? So we can get rid of this feeling that we have to be absolutely perfect. And um, God's love is amazing. I I always... um, when I rebelled against God, it wasn't God saying, now you've done the wrong thing here. It was God saying, I love you, that brought me back to him. When I was going through clinical depression, the one thing that remained was that God loves me. That's what kept me, that God loves me. So it's absolutely deep in me, and I pray it'll be absolutely deep in you as well, because God does love you, no matter what. He loves you so much. He loved you enough to send his son to die for you. Do you really think there's anything else that he wouldn't do? He loves you. So I've said to you, I need to spend more time with God because then I think I'd be able to do what he wants me to do better. So I need encouragement. In fact, I think we all need encouragement. Um, And we've heard that as well, haven't we? That we need to encourage one another 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So we're doing it already, but let's keep going. Let's try and do some more. Titus 2.7, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. So by just being who we are, we can just tickle people up to think, oh yeah, I could, I could do that. Hebrews 10.24-25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So that's taking it up a step. Let's actually think about it. How can we um, help each other? Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching. What day? Would anybody like to suggest? What day is it that's approaching? that we're going to encourage one another because there's a day approaching. Would anybody like to suggest what that day is? What's coming? Yeah, go on. Pardon? The coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus, yes. I think that's what he's saying there. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Amazing. And we need to get ready. But sometimes I find that we can think, oh yeah, but it might be in the next generation. It's not going to be next week, is it? Let me suggest a shorter deadline to you. We've had waves of the Spirit, haven't we? Do you remember the Toronto blessing? And some of you can go further back in history than that. And before each time something like that happened, we had people coming along and speaking on, on the Sunday morning at the front saying, you need to get ready. And I can remember specifically, um, there was uh, one chap, and I forget his name now, m- met him at the... Um, the solar eclipse, but I can't, never mind, you can't remember. Yeah, yeah. And he spoke about, Tony Wastel spoke about digging trenches to catch the blessing that was coming. I wonder if we'd prepared more, whether we could have hung on to more. 
So I'm saying something's coming. There's a shorter deadline for you. And we need to get ready. And we've kept hearing that, haven't we, from the front recently. Have you heard that? People coming and saying, you need to prepare. There's something coming. We know for definite we've got a physical move coming up, haven't we? Because it looks like the sale for the building is going through. And we're going to be moving physically. But there's something else brewing up, isn't there? There's something coming. There's something exciting. And this is where the tents come in. Oh, I missed out my encourage slide. Well, there we go. Encourage. Let's encourage one another. And we've got, this is where the tents come in. Because I was reading this verse just in a completely other context, I think. But you know when you read something in scripture and things go woof at you. And you think, ooh, God's saying something in this. And then I read this in the message, and it went even more whoomph at me. So I want to encourage you with this bit about tents. And it's in Isaiah 54. Um, And the whole passage is verse 1 to 6, but I'm just going to read a central bit of it. And the heading for this is spread out, think big. You ready? Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Hang on, what sort of tent have you got in mind? Are you, are you thinking that sort of tent? Can we, can we change the picture in your mind, please? What about that sort of tent? Shall I start again? Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large, spread out, think big, use plenty of rope. You may actually need wire rope for something that big. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. This is an invitation for you to, in this instance, throw off all restraint and really go for it. Go for gold, if you like, in the Olympic, you know, we're very Olympic this morning, aren't we? I'm sorry if there are some of you who are fed up of Olympics, but there we go, it's tough. You can throw off restraint and really go for this. Think big. Spread out. We can only do this if we are a team. We can only do this if we are a team. Encouraging one another that we are not also rans but heroes in God's plan. Each one of us, an essential part of the plan. Thinking big, expanding our expectations of what God can do through us, motivated by God's love to show compassion to a hurting world. Finding God's love is our source for the compassion which will cause us to reach out to others. If you've liked what you've heard today, 
But as we've talked and as we've, you know, shared bread and wine this morning and stuff like that, you've thought, well, I sort of like it, but I don't, there's whole bits here that I don't really understand. Um, you know, I'd sort of like to find out more, but I'm not really sure. Please, can I encourage you to talk to whoever you came with this morning? Or talk to me, or talk to Mark, who's standing at the back. Just to find out more. Because if you've got that feeling on the inside that there might be something interesting here, do something about it. Find out more. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, I pray that you'll help us not just to walk away from anything you've said to us this morning, but help us to apply it. Help us to take the things that you've said to us specifically and listen to what you have to say. Find out more and then obey quickly so that we can live that glorious free life that you have for us. Please help us to believe what you have said about us. Please help us to believe that we are heroes, that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That makes us queens, kings, princes, princesses, your royal highnesses. And we are important because you love us. Because you love us so much. Help us to believe that with all our hearts. So that we can live this marvellous, glorious life that you have for us. Amen.